Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The majority of valid votes cast yesterday by the people of Scotland in response to the referendum question, should Scotland be an independent country, were in favour of no. On the 18th of September 2014, the Scottish people rejected independence by a margin of 55 to 45% in a referendum. But that didn't put the issue to bed. The SNP have remained in power ever since, and continue to work towards their dream of a Scotland outside of the Union. We face a fundamental question. Do we stay tied to a UK economic model that consigns us to relatively poor economic and social outcomes, or do we lift our eyes with hope and optimism? The party's leader, Nicola Sturgeon, wants another referendum next year. But it's now to the UK Supreme Court to decide if she has the legal powers to call one. Respect for the rule of law means that a referendum must be lawful. An unlawful referendum, it would not lead to Scotland becoming independent. Today on The Bell Tale, will Sturgeon succeed? Could the Nationalists win? And what impact would Scottish independence have on Northern Ireland? If it is successful, then that is just fantastic news for Irish nationalists. And it also has huge implications for unionists. It would be a bit like Brexit, but on steroids. That would be something that would massively impact all of us. I'm joined by the Belfast-born Alaba Party MP for Kirkcaldy and Cowdenbeath, Neil Hanvey. Also joined by David McCann, political analyst and deputy editor of the website Slugger O'Toole. The Belfast Telegraph's Northern Ireland editor, Sam McBride and the Belfast Telegraph's political editor, Suzanne Breen. But yeah, David, first and foremost, why is Nicola Sturgeon pushing for a second Scottish independence referendum now? So why do they want a second go? Well, a big part, you may remember, of the 2014 Better Together Unionist campaign was if Scotland votes to leave the UK, it'll leave the European Union and it would have to reapply. Obviously, the Brexit referendum has has thrown that back open again. So they're very keen to take advantage of this whilst Brexit is still fresh in people's minds and whilst Scotland hasn't diverged too much from European regulation, that they go for it again and they take advantage and uh, and and have a second uh, uh, referendum on it. And where does it stand at the moment? Because I know it's been taken to the Supreme Court. The UK government obviously opposes another referendum. Where are we at with that currently? So we, the Supreme Court will hear the case in October from the Scottish government. The Scottish government is arguing that they can hold a referendum without the permission of the British government. 
um, uh, because they're just seeking the opinion of the Scottish uh, electorate that it wouldn't actually dissolve the union um, uh, in, in in a legal sense. So so that's their defence. Of course, the British government are arguing that that's nonsense and, uh, and that's not the case about what the Scottish government are trying to do. So we'll find out in October and that is quite uh, symbolic because, of course, Nicola Sturgeon has set October 2023 as the date with which she wants to hold a referendum. And the big question in terms of our listeners and what they want to know, how would it affect the politics here in Northern Ireland? Well, if there is a referendum, okay, if it's an it's an advisory referendum, by the way, so Scotland does not become an independent country the next day, <laughs> uh, I would imagine that you will start seeing pushes again from Sinn Féin for a border poll. And, you know, the interesting thing this time is that obviously Sinn Féin are the largest party in the Northern Ireland Assembly this time. Sinn Féin could well be just a year out from leading an Irish government if they stay uh, in the same position that they are in the South. Um, so that might give it a bit more traction. Um, uh, but yeah, look, if you if you dislike hot takes and if you dislike people trying to transpose our ideas onto Scotland, the next year is going to be very difficult for you. A lot of people say that out of all the sort of nations in the UK, Scotland and Northern Ireland, politically and culturally are the most similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, would, would you agree with that or do you think there's a lot of differences between us two? Um, I think there is actually a lot of similarities between us um, in terms of um, in terms of our cultural similarities. Um, in terms of our political similarities, there was a bit of a talk in 2014 about the Ulsterisation of Scottish politics that, that basically Northern Ireland politics had arrived in Scotland because if you talk to anyone who's around in that referendum, it did make a lot of people very political. People came out of the woodwork to vote you know, just to put it in context, 85% of the electorate voted in the 2014 referendum. Just 52% of people had voted in the previous Scottish Parliament election. So people came out of the woodwork to vote. It made people very political, but it also did polarise society. A lot of people I know over in Scotland said that they weren't too keen about the fact that you had to pick a side and it did polarise people and you know some people, uh, it made people very political, but it also divided a lot of people between pro and anti. There was talk of families, pe- people falling out within families over being yes versus um, uh, versus no. And it did kind of make politics there a bit more a bit more harsh. Now, whilst that doesn't typically go down religious lines in Scotland, as it would here, uh, you are seeing kind of the more heated kind of polarisation that we would be more used to here creeping into Scottish politics a bit more since then. And you were there in Scotland in mm. 2014. What was that? Like, what was it like? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So it was phenomenal. Seeing people queue to vote was new to me. I'd never seen that before. Um, uh, there were some. There was a polling station I saw that was closed uh, because everyone who was on that register had voted. That was phenomenal. I'd never seen that before. People were talking about it. People were engaged. You, you had a real sense about the fact that people were were very motivated. But you did also get the sense of when the result came in. You know, I, I was in the Count Centre in Edinburgh, which was the, the Scottish-wide Count Centre for everything where all the results were being reported into. And the SNP supporters, as the result, as it just gradually slipped away from them, and um, you saw lots of people bursting into tears. You saw a lot of fractiousness between the Better Together and the Yes Scotland campaigns as well. Um, uh, so you did see that side of it, but from a political kind of nerd point of view it was absolutely phenomenal to watch I, I it was it really was a historic moment and you had a front row seat to it so it was phenomenal and Sam what impact would a nationalist victory in a Scottish referendum have within unionism in Northern Ireland 
They would wake up with shock, with dismay. It would be a bit like Brexit, but on steroids, because it would be far more fundamental than than leaving something um, which to some people was quite distant in the European Union, be something that had been there for hundreds of years, something which involved certainty in the lives of unionists. These these places were interlinked. People moved back and forth. Uh, that was obviously then massively amplified by the plantation, where there was a widespread movement of people. And so there's been this deep and enduring link between what are now unionists overwhelmingly in the northeast of the island of Ireland and the, and the people of Scotland. However, I think you have to got to caveat that with the political reality of how unionists relate to the rest of the UK today. There has been an isolationist tendency within Ulster unionism that goes back to before partition. Edward Carson was the exception as a leader of unionism who came even from outside Ulster. Um, And if you look at how unionism has related to um, Scottish Conservatives, to the Labour Party in Scotland, they're pretty distant. There aren't deep links there. They meet here and there. They have got a common purpose in terms of, of trying to preserve the union, but they don't do very much about it. And so actually, would they feel... Um, that they had deep affinity to those people individually? I don't think so. I think it's more a sense that there would be insecurity, there would be a sense of unionism, feeling, as it always does, quite isolated. That would be intensified. But I think the final interesting thing here is that it's not clear what form Scottish independence would take. It could be done quite smoothly. It could be done in a way where there are pragmatic decisions taken in London and in Edinburgh, or it could be done very adversarially. There could be a trade war. There could be a hard border between Scotland and and England. In those circumstances, that could make people in Ireland as a whole more wary of the idea of Irish unity. They might think this is something that we need to approach with more caution than we thought. The alternative is that if it does seem quite smooth, if we do seem to be moving into a new dispensation constitutionally across all of the British Isles, it might be that some unionists look at that and think, you know what, things have moved on. Let's start to think about radical change. And in that context, you could have a more um, a more appealing form of Irish unity for those people. You could say to them, well, we've got an independent Scotland. We've maybe got wheels moving towards independence or more firm devolution there in uh, Cardiff. And we've got a new Irish and those three entities as they are, or four entities potentially, could exist in some sort of federation, some loose um, some loose bringing together of independent sovereign states. The other possibility is, of course, that things are, are more bitter than ever and it is harder to put those things together afterwards. David, do you think it'll be the same this time around? Do you think it's too soon after then for this? Do you think it's going to be the same sort of want? So I took a look at some of the, the polls, of course, um, um, uh, and the polls are all over the place. They have most of them average out as around about a one to two point lead for the no side. Um, so it'll be really interesting this time because last time, obviously, yes, Scotland, the Nationalist campaign started way back and the pro-union campaign were way ahead. And over the 18 months of the campaign, yes, Scotland gained ground, gained ground, gained ground. And then at the end, where that poll came out showing 51-49 for yes, and all of a sudden the British government panicked and they all rushed up and David Cameron launched economic deals all around Scotland to get them to vote no. It'll be different this time because the yes campaign is more competitive. So can the yes campaign sustain where they are around 44, 45, 46%? And can they build on it and maintain a large lead um, at it? Now, this will be this will be different from last time because that was 2014 was a formal agreement between the British 
and Scottish governments in the Edinburgh Agreement, so it was legally binding and recognised. It was set out. If Scotland voted yes, it would become independent in March 2016 and it would be respected by the British government. This is different this time. The British government is saying they do not want a referendum. They will not sit down like David Cameron did with Alex Salmond. So it would be interesting if the Supreme Court give the go-ahead to it and say, yeah, that you can go ahead and do it. And bear in mind it is an advisory referendum. If they vote yes, then who knows where things go after that. It will be fascinating to see how a Sturgeon-led Scottish government with goodness knows what British government we have by that point, um, uh, how, they do, how they deal with that. Suzanne, what impact do you think a nationalist victory in a Scottish referendum would have on Irish nationalism? Well, if there is an indie ref too, and if it is successful, then that is just fantastic news for Irish nationalists and Republicans. And it also has huge implications for unionists in Northern Ireland. An independent Scotland would be very worrying for unionists here. We would see calls for a border poll intensify. But I think losing such a geographically large chunk of the UK would have major ramifications. It's more than the loss of physical territory. It's the emotional connection, I think, is there among unionists much more for the Scots than for the English. I think nationalists and Republicans would be looking at the SNP and at the campaign for independence and really seeing the tactics and the strategy that they adopted, how they built such a big, broad coalition and seeking to do the same in Northern Ireland. There's also interesting demographic trends when we look at independence in Scotland as there is in Northern Ireland. Young people are very strongly pro independence and there's a feeling really among the youth, among the new generation that they want to take the plunge in terms of an independent Scotland and we see that here also in terms of Irish unity um, among young people. They're very, very much more in favour of ending the union and going for a united Ireland. One issue that some Scottish people have brought up is that now the UK is out of the and Brexit has happened, there are some people who do want independence but don't necessarily want to rejoin the EU. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that the ballot paper is just that one solitary question, you know, do you think that's going to be an issue? Well, in terms of the EU, the EU is, is obviously the big driving car because that's the SNP's aha moment. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that is their aha to get a second referendum because up until 2016, you know, the SNP were playing down the idea of a referendum because there was no trigger. What, what trigger? And then, of course, Brexit came along. And, of course, because Scotland voted so decisively 62% to remain, that gave the SNP their their, their second wind uh, to go and hold, to, to hold another referendum. Um, you're right, not everyone does want to read. I mean, 38% of Scottish voters voted to leave. Um, uh, some polls are showing around, yeah, 40% of Scots don't want to be members of the European Union. In fact, the SNP, once upon a time, were a Eurosceptic party. Um, uh, so um, also then you have the other things about, you know, Scotland would still have to form- formally rejoin. That is not an easy... Pro- Even if you look at Ukraine, which has talked about expedited process, we are still talking about years for Ukraine to get into the European Union. There are 30 chapters. It is a long process. You know, even in an expedited way, um, you have issues there. But also don't forget... 
you've got, as I mentioned earlier, separatist movements in Catalonia, you've got separatist movements in Belgium, you've got separatist movements in a few other European countries, in France and places like that. The heads of government of those countries are not going to want to roll out the red carpet for a separatist movement to join very quickly. Why? Because that's just giving Catalan nationalists, giving nationalists in Belgium, of course, again, nationalists in France, that's just giving nationalists in those countries the, 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 the stick that they want to say, OK, well, let's, let's do it there. So there are other internal political issues within the European Union that, that the SNP will have to navigate. So Neil, you're obviously, you're very vocal about Scottish independence. Whenever ministers, British ministers, including Boris Johnson, you know, when they have said to Nicola Sturgeon and her government that they should be focusing on recovery from the COVID pandemic and improving services like health and education instead of focusing so much on independence, what are your sort of responses to that, Neil? Well, I mean, that, that, it's a nice line, but unfortunately it conceals the truth. Um, and the fact of the matter is that as long as Scotland is in a union where um, uh, the um, UK take all of our natural resources, whether that be oil, gas, wind, wave, tidal uh, uh, and solar, and they transport that down to England to Redcar um, via cables, there are no supply chain jobs, there are precious little maintenance jobs, there's no manufacturing jobs. All of these things were part of the picture when oil and gas was discovered. So there was some uh, economic benefit to Scotland at that time. Um, but we're talking about, we, we generate over 10 times the amount of energy that we require in Scotland, and we see absolutely no uh, economic benefit from that whatsoever. Um, we get The block grant that we get is a fraction of our contribution to Westminster, I mean, the Channel Tunnel, and Scotland sees no benefit from these projects whatsoever, but we are charged it's a false um, it's a false narrative to say that we need to concentrate on things when we are wholly dependent on um, getting a fraction of our funding from a UK government that is effectively plundering Scotland for its resources. Being from Belfast yourself, Neil, what mm. sort of impact do you think if NDRF2 does go ahead, what do you think what what impact will that have on Northern Ireland? I moved to Scotland when I was seven years old. Um, and despite my historical links, I, I don't think a Scottish MP's view is particularly relevant or helpful. But in the wider, the wider context, of course, if Scotland um, was to vote to be independent and withdraw from the Treaty of Union um, then and, and reassert itself as a, the ancient an independent nation that it is, um, that would, I think, obviously have a consequential impact on the north of Ireland. And the, I guess that question is, you know, doing the rounds uh, in communities across Ireland, north and south, um, you know, because because of Brexit and because that's concentrated minds and, you know, the, the, the north of Ireland is the best performing economic area in the UK at the moment, and that's because um, they have that specialist access to the single market that nobody else has. What's the next step, Neil, if the referendum does happen and the majority of Scotland does again vote to remain in the UK? Um, well, that's not something I like to think about very often. <laughs> um, 
you know, that, well, that, that comes down to the, well, two things. The, the strength of our campaign, campaign in 2014 was absolutely amazing. We went from 26% to 51% just ahead of the um, actual vote. Um, that dropped back because of the promises that were made by um, David Cameron and every other leader of the UK party in the vow on the daily record. Um, of course, none of those promises were kept. There were minor tweaks to the de- devolution settlement. Uh, but one of the key things in the Edinburgh Agreement was that there is no barrier to revisiting the question of independence. That is a very clear and explicit part of the agreement. Yet here we are, uh, where Scotland's democracy has been held hostage by, um, uh, you know, a Conservative Party, as I said, who haven't won an election in Scotland for 60 years, or uh, getting on 70 years. Uh, and it's just, it's, it, you know, the reality is, I mean, it's a bit like the, um, the, the Belfast Agreement. You, you know, you cannot put any limit on democracy. So if the people of if we lost another referendum for whatever reason, and the people of Scotland continue to vote for parties that support further votes on independence, then those further votes must happen. So within the um, uh, Belfast Agreement, it's every seven years. So that's a political generation as set out in that important agreement for a border poll. And that, that, that I think, is a reasonable... Uh, amount of time it gives you know enough time for a whole parliament to sit in a bit more and last sort of question neil culturally and politically a lot of people would say that out of all the islands between the uk and ireland northern ireland and scotland are the most similar do you think what goes on here has any bearing on what goes on in scottish politics and vice versa because northern ireland did look so closely at the last referendum over there in 2014 I think we've got two very distinct um, political movements. I think the, you know, probably the uh, the continued success and increasing success of Sinn Féin uh, is, is probably the biggest indicator. But I think that the old version of what nationalism meant has changed. I mean, for myself, uh, you know, I, I, I was... In the time that I was in Ireland, I was, uh, you know, raised in a unionist tradition. Um, my grandfather was an Orangeman, and um, you know, for me to now be a Scottish nationalist, it's got it's got very little to do with that cultural identity, and much more to do with pragmatism on my behalf. Um, so, it my my principle is not about you know where I was born or. Um, where I'm from, uh, uh, in that sense, it's all about where I want Scotland to go. Uh, and it's about the opportunities that that will bring to me and to my children and uh, for the future. So um, I would say that, you know, that civic nationalism is, for me, that's the, the really important element. And, you know, we get chided and stuff in Westminster um, and, and it's easy to, you know, to suppose that people are, are guided by a certain style of nationalism. But that is really not the case in Scotland. But yeah, David, in your own opinion as well, obviously as an expert, but just sort of personally, do you think it's wise? Do you think that Scotland will get independence this time around? I think this time, if they hold it and lose, I think the SNP are in difficulties because where do they go next? Scotland, Scottish voters will have said no twice. This has happened in Quebec. Um, in 1995, there, um, uh, the Quebec 
sovereignty movement held a second referendum after holding one 1980. They narrowly lost that. They lost it by less than one percentage point. But once they lost it a second time, the movement fractured and they're now in the doldrums electorally in Quebec. So what do the SNP do after that? It'd be interesting to see now that you've got split offs like ALBA, which is Alex Salmon's new party, do people start fracturing off from that? And the SNP, don't forget, are nearly 15 years in government in Scotland, you know, which is phenomenal record to be in power that long. What happens to Nicola Sturgeon? Would she do what Alex Salmon did and resign after the referendum? If she did that, who would succeed her? She doesn't seem to have an obvious successor. There, there's about two or three other people you could think of. So, you know, um, if they hold it and get a no vote, that's 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 pretty devastating for them. But if they get a yes vote, who knows? I mean, the British government could turn around and go, "Well, we're not we're not recognising that. We, we it wasn't an official referendum. We are not we're not dealing with that." And uh, they could they could stonewall that. And that happened in Spain, of course, where the Catalan nationalist government held a referendum, and the then Spanish Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy just went, "Yeah, not recognising it." So uh, it, it would be interesting to see what the SNP would do if they got a yes vote. David McCann, thanks very much. Thanks, Steve. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Neve Campbell and Kieran Dunbar. Sound design was by Graham Davidson. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply.